Well, good morning, Hillcrest Covenant Church. It's a delight to be with you again on this beautiful day, Mother's Day. Happy birthday to, happy birthday, happy Mother's Day to those of you who are moms or have moms. Um, I, I was looking at some photographs this past week uh, of my mom and I, and I found one that uh, really brought me to this really kind of wonderful place of remembering. My mom has passed away some time ago, but uh, uh, what Daniel prayed a few minutes ago uh, certainly describes most of our mothers most of the time. Well, uh, if you have a Bible in front of you or a digital device that you can read your Bible on, I'd invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. And that's Hebrews chapter 4, 9 through 11. And it says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. If you were here with us this past Sunday, we began a new series of sermons on the theme that we're calling Unhurried. And my intention for the next few weeks is for us to look at what an unhurried life might look like before we so quickly revert back to the way things used to be. My favorite theologian of all time, Winnie the Pooh, says this about busyness. Don't underestimate the value of doing nothing, of just going along, listening to all the things that you can't hear and not bothering. Don't underestimate the value of doing nothing. As we look at the unhurried life from a variety of perspectives during this sermon series that we find ourselves in, I want you to keep this in mind. And today we're going to consider uh, holy rest, or another word for it is Sabbath, as an essential component of living the unhurried life. Now the biblical word for the unhurried life is Sabbath. I will refer to Sabbath uh, occasionally in this sermon as holy rest. It, it doesn't matter what you call it. What matters is that followers of Jesus develop a growing practice of working and resting because that's what God did, and that's how God created us. This pattern of rest is found in the creation narrative itself. If you go back to the earliest chapters of Genesis, God created for six days, and on the seventh day, God did what? He rested. God didn't need to rest because God was exhausted from all the work that he did. Rather, God rested because rest is an important aspect of a work-life balance that is built into each of us from the very beginning of creation itself. For God, rest is not about muscle recovery or catching up on sleep or reward for a job well done. These are all notions of rest that come from our post-enlightenment, productivity-driven culture. For God, the rhythm of work and rest has to do with life itself. We get a glimpse of what that when we return from vacation and we are relaxed. Do you remember that, that feeling? Or, or we're more optimistic about life, or we're even more productive after we've had that time of rest. Recent studies have indicated that those who rest every seven days are actually more productive the other six days. The rhythm of creation includes both work and rest. 
And the unhurried life is marked by both work and rest. Which leads me to my first question for us to consider this morning. How do we actually enter into this kind of rest? As I read the book of Hebrews a moment ago, the Hebrews picks up on this theme of rest in relationship to the rhythm of creation. When the author to the Hebrews writes, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's a statement. That's not, he's not, it's not a question. That's a statement. There is. There remains a, a, a Sabbath rest. And anyone who enters into God's rest also rests from his works and so on. What the writer to the Hebrews is reflecting on is that Sabbath rest is, is, is this, this time that we set aside for ourselves that is not simply the cessation of work, but it's actually entering into a gift that God has given us. This gift is the recognition that the world is not dependent upon our continuous productivity to keep on going. And if there's ever been a time that we've discovered that, it's been in the last six, seven, eight weeks. We are not as important as we think we are for the world to continue to do what the world needs to do. And I've been fascinated, in addition to that, by the animal world, which has responded to this worldwide shutdown in a quite different way. At Yosemite National Park, where the roads are usually crawling with people, those same roads are now filled with deer and elk and bear just kind of hanging around. In some wonderful sense, the, the world is recovering its balance, its, its work-rest balance. And if you read chapter 4 in the book of Hebrews in its entirety, this gift of rest is not just a present reality, but it's also part of God's future promise to those who believe. Rest is a critical component to the life that God is offering us. It's a gift. And the writer of the Hebrews goes so far to suggest that those who fail to enter into this rest that God offers are an example of disobedience that should not be followed. For those of us who have a hard time resting, and I suspect there's um, more than a few of us out there, this may be a hard nut for us to swallow, that rest is built into the way God created us. For some of us, we, we placidly accept the proposition that rest is important, but rather than taking the necessary action to make it happen, we put it off until things calm down at work. Or after I make partnership at my job. Or, or when I retire, then I will rest. Then I'll find time. Then I'll make time to rest. We do not enter into God's holy rest because we fail to see God's rest as important. That's the bottom line. And holy rest is also a gift that God offers us to begin with. It's like, have you ever given a gift to somebody and they, they receive it and it's beautifully wrapped and there's a bow on it and they say thank you and you're standing there waiting for them to open it, but they don't open it? Well, that's what it kind of feels like, I think, for God when we have this wonderful gift that we call rest, but we don't use it. We, re we receive it from God, but we don't, we don't um, uh, make a place for it in our lives. In order to, to enter into this holy rest, this rhythm that I'm talking about, we must recognize the importance of rest as part of the unhurried life that I've been talking about. We must recognize it as God's gift to us. 
So Sabbath rest is God's anecdote for a hurried life, a hurried pace of life, uh, Alan Fading says. When life seems like it's out of control, what is the first thing that we usually do? We attempt to get it under control. We plan our calendars more carefully. We read books about time management. We spend less time wasting time. We cancel all of our engagements. We, you know this because you do this. We all do this. You see, we naturally understand when we get to wit's end, we have to do something to create space in our schedules. But what I want to suggest to you is that before we do something, we must be something. We must be persons who are committed to living an unhurried life, not because we will ultimately feel better or our spouses will be glad to see us around more often. We must be people of faith who live into this gift, who enter into this rest, because that's exactly how God created us to be. Sabbath rest is God's antidote for our hurried, harried pace of life. And when we begin to sense that the train is coming off the tracks, that's the time that we should stop and consider to whom we belong and what difference that means for how we live. If finding rest is critical to the unhurried life, what practical steps can we take to recover the rhythm of creation that the author of the book of Hebrews is describing? The first step is this, find holy rest in those activities that inspire your creativity. Painting, photography, scrapbooking, hiking, read a good novel, work in your wood shop, listen to classical music, plant a garden, enjoy a cup of coffee with a friend at a safe distance. There are, there's no end to the ways that Creativity and inspiration can begin to help you set your course toward a life of holy rest. Two, ruthlessly protect your day of rest from encroaching busyness. Refrain from reading your email, especially if it's from your work. Don't use your day of rest to catch up on products, uh, projects that don't inspire you. Go out to breakfast and read the paper at your leisure rather than to glean information to be more productive. Don't accept invitations or plan events that will intrude on your day of rest. That's God's gift to you. Three, deliberately embrace Sabbath values. I like the way that Marva Dawn says it when she says, Sabbath keeping is not just negative ceasing, it is also becoming Sabbath people who embrace Sabbath values. Finding rest doesn't necessarily imply going into a cave and not seeing anyone. Embracing kingdom values around holy rest involves the community. So one way to embrace those kingdom values is by inviting others to join you in your day of holy rest. Ride a bike with a friend. Go on a hike. I think I said that already. Build a campfire and invite your neighbors to join you as you roast marshmallows at a safe distance. You get the point. These are three practical ways that I thought would help us embrace a practice of holy rest. Why don't you reflect how God might be leading you to find holy rest in the midst of your busy life? I want to conclude this morning by inviting you to consider how God might be calling you to practice holy rest. 
This is not a one-size-fits-all kind of deal. The kind of practice of holy rest that God is calling to you may be different than the kind of holy rest that God is calling me to. It doesn't matter how you practice it so much as you reintroduce holy rest into your daily rhythm. Let me, let me leave you with this thought. Sabbath is turning over to God all those things, our money, our work, our status, our reputations, our plans, our projects, that we're otherwise tempted to hold tight in our own closed fists and hold on for dear life. Practicing holy rest is ultimately about a relationship with God and a relationship with others. Do you believe that God has created you to experience the kind of holy rest that I've described for you this morning? If so, are you prepared to make the necessary changes in your life starting today that will lead you to a greater sense of contentment and productivity? And that's the irony of it all. In the end, I have found that whatever I've had to give up in order to practice a life of holy rest I have received way more in return than what I've given away. I bet if you tried it, you would discover the same thing. Here are some questions that I want you to consider with those who are participating in worship with you this morning, and I will be hosting a Zoom conversation with the pastor immediately following this service where we can dive more deeply into these questions if you'd like. But here they are. Number one, why do you think God built holy rest into creation. Two, describe a time when you experienced Sabbath rest and what did that feel like? And three, what challenges do you need to overcome in order to reintroduce the rhythm of holy rest into your life right now? Let's pray together. God, would that this time of physical and social isolation provide us, each of us, with an opportunity to reevaluate and realign our schedules in such a way that we can reintroduce, or perhaps for some of us, expand the idea of holy rest in our lives. All of us find ourselves in very different places, yet all of us know, deep down inside, we know it intuitively, that we have been created to enjoy rest with you. So my prayer today is, is that you will give us the courage and the tenacity and the fervor to recreate our schedules in such a way that we can begin to experience this kind of holy rest that the author to the Hebrews is talking about. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.